the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning. Seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, we are underway. It is the it is a Friday. Uh, hardly a free-for-all, though, because we're packed with guests who have a lot to say uh, on this program. The 17th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Uh, in fact, let me run that, run that down for you here before we get started. Uh, coming up at 9.35 this morning, uh, we're going to be talking with um, former... Ohio congressman, or actually former congressman in the U.S. Congress, but uh, Ohio 16, Jim Renacci. He was scheduled to join us uh, to talk about Mark Milley and to talk about the uh, extraordinary uh, events taking place with respect to treason and undermining the President of the United States. We were going to talk to Jim Renacci regardless. This is even before last night's uh, shocking news about Anthony Gonzalez, but we'll ask him about that too at 9.35. At 10.10, ditto Josh Mandel. Um, the guy currently leading the polls in the Republican primary to replace uh, Rob Portman in the uh, Senate. Uh, Josh Mandel contacted me back on Monday, Tuesday, and said he's livid about this. He's livid about what's going on uh, with respect to uh, uh, General Milley undermining the president, essentially committing treason by going to a foreign power and usurping the chain of command. So we wanted to talk to Josh Mandel about that. But he also has thoughts on Gonzalez. And then at uh, 1035, Christina Hagan will be by with commentary on a whole host of issues, as we do each and every Friday with her. So Renacy, Mandel, and Hagan today. And before we do anything else, uh, let's get started with, with our Pledge of Allegiance. I've got a lot of plans here for this opening segment, so let's, uh, let's waste no time. Friends, patriots, please stand. Face your flag if you have one. Put your hand over your heart. Join us in our Pledge of Allegiance. Leftists, Taliban supporters, Biden voters, all one and the same. You can feel free to uh, uh, sit silently because, well, we know how you feel about this country. Come on. I pledge allegiance to the flag 
of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Pretty much all of my plans for today's show went out the window last night when I got a phone call from Jack Windsor at the Ohio Press Network who broke the story of Anthony Gonzalez announcing, and again, shocking many people, that he was going to step down or he was going to not seek re-election in the Ohio 16th Congressional District. Now, you knew, you know he was being challenged very strongly by President Trump's endorsed uh, candidate, uh, Max Miller, uh, also by another strong, staunch conservative who has a lot of support in Northeast Ohio, uh, talking about um, uh, Jonah Schultz. And Anthony Gonzalez was, was feeling the heat. Now, we know that he was feeling the heat, and with very good reason, uh, because Anthony Gonzalez uh, was the guy, one of ten Republicans only, to join all Democrats in the House of Representatives back in January to impeach Donald Trump over the January 6th uh, breach of the Capitol that they deemed was inciting an insurrection. That's what they called it, and they impeached him even after he was leaving office. Uh, I'll get back to that in a second. Uh, so Anthony Gonzalez was feeling that heat. He knows he has lost a lot of favor within his own party, but he was still pressing on. I believe until yesterday, or actually maybe until uh, until Wednesday, because I spoke yesterday with Shannon Burns, who runs and heads the Strongsville GOP, and Shannon... Uh, told me about an incident, an event, actually, that was coming up uh, that uh, Anthony Gonzalez was excluded from, which was a strong, I don't know, hint, if you will, that says, we don't want you around. We don't want you around. He was supposed to be a part of an event that was being held uh, uh, coming up in, uh, I'm trying to find the date as to when this was supposed to happen because I got all of this information uh, late last night. But there was an event coming up, and Secretary of State Frank LaRose um, essentially uninvited Anthony Gonzalez from the GOP event. I'm just going to kind of phrase this as, as paraphrase this rather as loosely as I can because I'm going to get to the exact audio. But at any rate, Anthony Gonzalez was essentially disinvited. Jack Windsor and the uh, team at the Ohio Press Network have all of the details, and they broke this late last night. Uh, and I'm trying to get Jack on the program this morning. He was very, very busy last night as he was trying to, uh, to make all of this happen. But when he was disinvited from this D.C. fundraiser by Secretary of State Frank LaRose, I think that was the kind of the, the nail in the coffin. It was the last, uh, you know, last... Uh, arrow, I guess, that he was going to to accept on this thing. Finally, he said, okay, that's it. We are out. So Gonzalez uh, had his back turned on him by Secretary of State, State LaRose, uninvited him from that D.C. fundraiser, which is going to be filled with all kinds of prominent Ohio Republicans. And after he was uninvited, and this is what Shannon Burns first told me from the Strongsville GOP, he was a part of that because they contacted LaRose's team and said, are you really going to have Gonzalez there? Uh, and they turned around and thought about it and said, no, we're actually not. That led to the statement last night by Anthony Gonzalez that was released. 
And it was, of course, filled with self-pity and martyrdom. Uh, Given the political realities of the day, uh, he wrote, among other things, I know this news will come as a disappointment to those who have been involved in our efforts. You have given me and my family tremendous strength and courage, etc., etc., Uh, It is also true that the current state of our politics, especially many of the toxic dynamics inside our own party, is a significant factor in my decision. Uh, He essentially goes on to say that because the GOP chose to back and support Donald Trump rather than choosing to support Democrats and turncoats like him, he doesn't want to be a part of the GOP anymore. Specifically, he doesn't want to be a part of Congress anymore. Give it probably three months before he announces he is a Democrat and then probably runs for office as a Democrat uh, in another position. Who knows? He may actually in 2024, he may or actually, yeah, it would be 2024. He may actually come back and run against whoever wins uh, this one now in 2022. But as a Democrat, that may be what his, his game plan is. But the bottom line is state uh, 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 Congressman Anthony Gonzalez decided last night that he was out. He was not going to run for re-election, and it's because of Donald Trump's cancerous presence in the Republican Party and the Republican Party's fealty to him, their loyalty to him, and their anger with Anthony Gonzalez for trying to impeach the man without due process and without any evidence whatsoever. That's essentially the kind of thumbnail sketch version of what happened last night when Anthony Gonzalez decided to not seek re-election. As soon as I heard that news, and I got it from Jack Windsor first, as soon as I heard that news, I said it worked. What worked? The interview worked. If you remember, the day after the vote to impeach in the House, Anthony Gonzalez made arguably the biggest mistake of his political career. He came on the radio with me. And... He engaged in an interview in which I think, and I said it at the time when it was done, that my hope was is that that interview was the beginning of the end of his political career. Because he was wholly unprepared to defend his vote. He could not answer the questions about evidence. He could not answer the questions about due process. He fumbled and stumbled and tried to justify his uh, unconstitutional, in my view, unconstitutional vote to impeach a president who was going to be out of office, by the way, at the time of the impeachment trial in the first place, and because that was a week later, and then second of all, again, did so without due process. And I believe that he never recovered from that interview, which was January 14th of this year. They voted to impeach him on the 13th. The 14th, he decided to accept my invitation to come onto the radio and discuss So what I want to give to you is a little bit of a reminder of how that went. But were you aware at the time of that impeachment vote yesterday that the Supreme Court of the United States in 1969 made a very, very direct ruling about language? It can't just be about what you're calling conduct over the last two months and saying, hey, we got to fight like hell. That in 1969, Brandenburg versus Ohio, the Supreme Court set the standard for incitement very, very high because they wanted to protect, like you and I do, free speech as much as humanly possible. And they said that a speaker charged with incitement 
um, in such a manner had to use direct words that were likely to produce violence. The old standard was that if a speaker said something the listeners could subjectively interpret as something that wasn't being stated directly by the speaker, especially violence, then that speaker could be charged with incitement. But in 69, they ruled very directly that the speaker has to use specifically spoken words directing or commanding listeners to commit violence. And on his January 6th speech, or in his speech, his clearly spoken words were to cheer on the brave senators and to do so peacefully and patriotically. So I'm looking for that state. Did you know that when at the time of the vote yesterday? And would you have liked to have known that? Uh, I did know that. Now, I, I, I will say I, this is part of why this process was completely broken uh, and, and, frankly, why I, I almost did vote no uh, is because I think the process was, was terrible. Um, in, a, in a perfect world, we would have had more time and more opportunity uh, to look through every single court dog and go through that, right? That That is likely to happen in the Senate. Uh, the, as you know, the House's you know, role in an impeachment is basically as a grand jury. Is there enough evidence to say, hey, this probably should go to trial? Um, and, and so in in that respect... Uh, what, what, was, that, was that evidence you're hearing held? Congressman, I like your wording there. That's very well said. The Congress, the, the, the House's job is to say, is there enough evidence to proceed to a trial? That evidence usually has to be presented at a hearing. In fact, not usually. Constitutionally, it has to be presented at a hearing in which the, the accused has the opportunity to defend himself, either personally, through a representation, or through witnesses, or a combination thereof, just like it was done in the impeachment last year. So, so knowing what you just said to be true, that it is, is there enough evidence to go to trial here do you think that president trump got due process yesterday by voting without that evidentiary hearing i believe that the the entire course of events again over the last two months and all the rhetoric and all the the stuff frankly that uh that the president had been doing for two months uh which is which is a real shame because the truth is i rejected the last impeachment i supported you know 99 of the things he did i think his agenda was spot on uh, which is why I campaigned for him and wanted him to win and was a co-chair of his campaign. Um, all that aside, uh, I believe the full spectrum of events that took place over the last two months uh, was enough evidence. So as you can hear, uh, this this is the interview. I'm replaying portions of the interview I did with Anthony Gonzalez, which was the beginning of the end of his political career. Did you hear that? I, I said, was there an evidentiary hearing held in the House before the vote to impeach and send it to the Senate for a trial? He said, no, but over the last two months, there had been a bunch of stuff. A sitting member of Congress voted to impeach the President of the United States on stuff. That was his evidence. I tried to pin him down very specifically. What words did Donald Trump use to incite violence as the supreme court made very clear in order to get a conviction of incitement to violence the language has to be direct go and physically commit violence he had nothing he had nothing but he had you know i i I saw a bunch of stuff over the last two months you know frankly and it was a shame because you know he had done a really great job but stuff the man impeached over stuff fast forward nine months later anthony gonzalez's political career is over i've got more from that interview coming up right after this on am 1420 the answer download the free whk mobile app and listen to your favorite whk programs or podcasts on the go 
It's free in your app store. Okay, it's 924. I want to give you more of the beginning of the end of the political career of Anthony Gonzalez. It was January 14th of this year, one day after he voted to impeach President Trump along with the Democrats. Um, and this was, uh, this was his biggest mistake of his career. He came on the air with me, unprepared to answer these kinds of questions. You voted to send an impeachment to the Senate based on evidence that you saw over the last two months. Was that evidence presented in a due process hearing for the president as the Constitution requires? Yeah, I know you're a believer in the Constitution, right? This Absolutely. vote yesterday, is, is, it can be viewed by many, many, and in fact is being viewed by many constitutional scholars as being exactly that, because it's pretty clear that in the case of an impeachment, the accused uh, or the uh, would-be impeached uh, officer uh, does get a hearing in order to listen to that evidence. So if you had two months of what you think is impeachable conduct, sh- wouldn't you have liked to have been able to present that through questioning in a, in a, in a hearing? Yes, and that is absolutely going to happen in the Senate. I mean, that is 100%. No, 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 no. Presumably, that is 100%. Con- Congressman, that's the trial. You said yourself, hold on, you said your body in the lower chamber, has to present enough evidence to even get that to a trial. You're you're sending something to a trial without evidence that leads to that trial having been presented. I mean, this would be like a prosecutor saying, you know, I read in the papers uh, that this guy was a really bad guy over the last few months. I don't have any evidence, but we're going to charge him anyway and send it to a trial. No judge would allow such a thing. A judge is going to say, what is your evidence that would produce a likely conviction in the trial? No judge would ever allow that. So why are we allowing the House of Representatives yourself included with the Democrats and nine other Republicans, to violate the constitutional rights of the accused. Now, hold on one second, Bob. So let's take a step back and and rehash sort of impeachment history in this country. Uh, As you may or may not know, impeachment for President Johnson took place three days uh, after his accusation. Uh, And and so there there is precedent for uh, a speedy process here. Uh, it is not the process that I would have preferred. It is not the process that I think is is correct. But there is precedent uh, in impeachment of President Johnson took place three days after his accusation. Now, with respect, and to do the, you believe that was constitutional, that, Con- Congressman? Was that constitutional when that happened? When when there was no hearing given to President Johnson? Uh, was that was that a constitutional hearing, impeachment uh, in your hearing, opinion? The, Bob, the the hearing takes place in in the Senate. That's where the hearings will take place. That's where the trial will. No, the trial takes place in the Senate, sir. Sir, the the trial takes place there. The evidentiary hearing takes place in the Senate. You went through in the House. You went through this in the Ukraine ridiculous story, and you opposed that. Uh, But but you you were there. You were there, and you were sitting in and listening to the evidentiary portion of this presented by Adam Schiff and all of his witnesses and and so on and so forth. That is what then you guys were able to go and make an educated vote as to whether or not this should go to a trial in the Senate. All of that was eliminated this time, and I think you know why, and so do I. Because it was January 13th yesterday, and he's out of office in one week. So if they have the hearings that could take several days, they might miss their chance to continue their persecution of a man that you know they started uh, uh, impeachment proceedings on literally 19 minutes after his inauguration on January 20th, 2017. They were going to miss their chance if they held the constitutionally required hearings, and that's why they pushed this. What I want to know is why you were a willing, you know, party to that. Yeah, so again, uh, first off, let's agree on on a whole heck of a lot of what you just said, which is they have been after him for 
years. I think they were after, frankly, they were going to impeach him. They decided they were going to impeach him before the election even ended in 2016, should he want. That is true. And they spent, and they spent the entire four years basically harassing and, and trying to destroy him, his family, and any supporter of his, including me, uh, mm-hmm. and, and all of our constituents. Uh, and so I, I agree wholeheartedly, and let's agree that the last four years from House Democrats in particular uh, and their allies in the media was absolutely disgusting and, and disastrous for our, our country. Um, so let's, let's agree on that. Uh, in terms of why I support, and again, not the process I would have chosen, not what I think is, is, the, is the right way to do an impeachment at all, uh, but when I look at the evidence that's in the public domain, hearing or not, but just the public domain and what I saw, I thought there was enough evidence. I believe there was enough evidence. And you could say, hey, look, there wasn't. That's fine. Disagree. But I believe there was enough evidence to say, hey, based on what I'm seeing here, articles of impeachment are warranted, uh, and, I, and I'm inclined to support. You voted to send an impeachment to the Senate based on evidence. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. This man admitted to me on live radio on January 14th that evidence was in the public domain. Meaning he watched television. He watched television and decided Donald Trump is, is, is doing this wrong. Donald Trump is a bad guy. On television. As in the public domain. Because I asked him very directly, what words did Donald Trump say to incite violence as necessary to justify a charge of incitement to violence? There were none. There were none. Which is why he said, yeah, but, you know, I looked over the last two months and it just looked really bad. So that was enough for me to say we should impeach the president of the United States. Because the president was on TV and saying that the election was stolen. And the president was on TV saying mail-in ballots are fraudulent, etc., etc. That was enough for me to say he should be impeached. And the reality of the situation, everything Anthony Gonzalez said to me in this interview is the reason why he is de facto being impeached his career is over his career is over because of his vote and his lack of a legitimate coherent uh legal explanation as to why he voted with the democrats to impeach a man that he knew was being persecuted and was being persecuted at the time that he was there solely to try to stop him from ever running for president again this interview goes on. I've got three more parts of it, four, six. It's about 13 minutes more, which I won't have time for because I've got guests coming up. I urge you to listen to the entirety of that interview. you probably heard it already. But listen to the entirety of that interview. It's on our whkradio.com podcast page. Go to whkradio.com. Look for the uh, uh, on-air drop-down menu. Look for the Bob France Authority podcast page, and then search for January 14th. That's when this interview aired in its, in, in, in its entirety. And literally, by the time it was over, Anthony Gonzalez's career was over. We'll talk to his predecessor in that seat in Ohio 16 next. Jim Renacci will join us on AM 1420 The Answer. social justice warriors if you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended this isn't it 
This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Okay, 936, we continue. Boy, I tell you what, I could play the rest of that interview and be perfectly happy and content with today's show. Uh, I was just listening to it again during the commercial break, and uh, wow, uh, Anthony Gonzalez, done. Uh, he is not seeking re-election. Chances are he will uh, probably come back as a Democrat, I would imagine, in short order. Uh, but let's talk a little bit now with his predecessor. We were scheduled to talk with Jim Renacci anyway. Uh, Jim Renacci is uh, the former uh, congressional uh, uh, district representative of uh, District 16, and he is now, of course, a Republican primary candidate for governor. And we were going to talk to him about Governor Mike DeWine and vaccine mandates and why DeWine isn't uh, planning to sue uh, to protect the people and the businesses in the state of Ohio, talk about Mark Milley and treason in the United States government. But now that Anthony Gonzalez is gone, we're going to have to hit that, too. Congressman Renacci, good to have you back. How are you? Good morning, Bob. How are you today? Oh, man, I'm just trying to absorb it all. It all happened very uh, quickly last night when uh, he released it on his Twitter feed. Jack Windsor broke the story. It was all over the place, and now there's uh, it's time for reaction. So let's do it. What's your reaction to uh, your, your successor uh, in Ohio 16 uh, announcing his decision last night? Well, Bob, I was actually an event. Uh, as you said, I'm running for governor, and I was an event uh, explaining why I, w- I should be the next governor of the state of Ohio. And, and uh, actually, Max Miller was there as well. So um, we learned of it at that event. Uh, not shocking. Uh, again, I'm sure the polls showed he, he wasn't winning. I'm a little, uh, cons- you know, I'll tell you one thing, though. It's, it's amazing. Here's a guy who gave up. Um, if you believe in your principles, you fight for your principles. So it's probably best he's not a representative because clearly I disagreed with his decision. You've disagreed with his and many of your listeners disagreed. But he was defending his decision on your show. Didn't do a very good job. If you remember, I was right after him at that point, too. But in the end, when you make decisions, you defend them. When you take votes, you defend them. And he should have defended. He should have stayed in there. The other thought I had was kind of interesting, and it's it's one that, your listeners should be aware of. Remember, he walks away with all the money he's raised. And that's another problem with our system. Too many people run, they raise money, they walk away, and then they keep the money. And I hope your listeners realize that many of these people do keep the money, and they use it for other purposes. They can't use it for personal purposes, but they can put it in a 501c4. They can advocate. They can take a salary. Many times, these individuals raise money, and, and i got to tell you, that was my other thought. He should give all that money back. If you're not running, give it back. But too many of these these individuals who run do not give that money back. But, look, I'm, I'm not shocked. He probably was losing in the polls, but at the same time, uh, I am shocked that he didn't defend his decision and fight for what he thought was right. It shows that uh, he probably was a weak congressional candidate well- at best. You know, you heard him in the interview, uh, as you pointed out, was right before you came on, too. He couldn't defend it. It's indefensible. It was in an indefensible vote. And I spent about 23 minutes on the air with him making that very, very clear. And I don't think 10 months later it's any more defensible now. I think he knows he's over a barrel here. What's shocking to me is what you just said is that he has proven to be a quitter. You know, this is a, a superstar player at St. Ignatius, a superstar player at Ohio State, had a four-year NFL career. When you get knocked down because you drop a ball or two or maybe even get knocked down to second team because things aren't going right or whatever, that's not a guy who quit that's a guy who works harder to get back in the starting lineup this guy 
I, I just think it speaks to how untenable his position was here. He can't convince Republican voters that what he did was right, that what he did was constitutional. And so he has to instead, you know, play the martyr card and say, I tried to do what was right by my beliefs and my principles, and Donald Trump is a cancer on the Republican Party, so I just can't do it anymore. His position was untenable. Well, and again, if he knew it was, uh, he, he's, I know he's leaving because he says family purposes, but I still remember the first time he walked in my office in Washington, D.C., and I asked him, why are you running? And he said he wanted to be a U.S. congressman. I said, uh, that's a bad answer. Second question, uh, do you have a family? He said, yes, I have a wife. I says, that's a second bad answer because she's not going to be happy with you. And I said, three, do you have children? And he said, well, she's pregnant. I go, bingo. That's a... So now all of a sudden he's using the card. He wants to spend more time with his family he knew that when he ran, he was going to have to, and, and many people who run, and many people go Washington. It's one of the things people don't understand. You're in Washington. You do leave your family. You do leave your children. You do leave your life while you're down there serving, but that's what you agree to do. Two years or two terms later, um, that should not be the excuse. I mean, look, I decided to leave Washington because I think it's broken. I still believe it's broken. But uh, to spend more time with your family, look, um, if you're a fighter, you're going to be in there fighting. No, and, and we know what this is all about. If, you know, if, uh, if, if he had not been taking the heat that he has been for 10 months over his vote, which is indefensible and untenable, he would not be talking about, I really need more time with my family. This is, this is tuck, tucking tail and running. All right, Congressman, I'm going to read a quote, and I'm going to ask you to respond to it. Quote, I think the president made a mistake by announcing federal vaccine mandates. We should be focused on the science of preventing virus spread. The vaccine is our best tool to stop COVID, but people and business owners should make their own decisions about vaccination, end quote. The uh, person speaking there or typing by way of Twitter is Governor Mike DeWine. What's your response to the governor's statement? I hit the critical. You know, I saw the statement. I responded to it already. I mean, a year ago, he's telling people what they should do. A year later, he's saying they should make their own decisions. Look, Mike DeWine, uh, there was an article came out yesterday, which is so interesting. He, uh, and it's, it's an Ohio news station that said Mike DeWine is now watching what he's saying because he has a legislature who stepped up and said no more and somebody running against him by the name of Jim Renacci. And that's exactly the reasons. And I'm hoping your listeners, and I'm hoping people don't forget, you know, the biggest problem in Washington and in, in state government is we forget. You know, politics is only a 30-day issue. We get in there and we say, well, you know, the devil that I know is better than the devil I don't know, or, you know, he's doing better. This is what Mike DeWine's trying to do. He's trying to make it look like he is better. He's moving back to the right to try and win re-election. And in the end, he should never be re-elected to that office. He will operate back to the left anytime he wins. We saw it when he was in the Senate. We saw how he votes. We saw what he does. And here he goes again, running for re-election, coming back to the right. It's unacceptable. Stand your position. His position is known. He wants people to wear masks. He wants our children to wear masks. And all he can say now is, well, I want to give them their choice. That's because he's got a person who is going to defeat him in the primary, and he's doing the best he can to get moved back to the right. Um, curious as to why he hasn't spoken out um, along with the Attorney General, uh, Dave Yost, 
in a little bit more of a stronger tone here and saying, don't do this, Joe Biden, or we'll sue. Uh, Dave Yost was among 23 attorneys general reported yesterday uh, to send a letter to President Biden uh, threatening lawsuits by each of those states uh, for this vaccine mandate, which will do nothing but cripple the businesses that have over 100 employees who have to either fire or uh, fire their employees who are unvaccinated or face massive fines. It's going to put people, more people out of work. So I understand, and I've got the list of 23 states here. Ohio is among them, so Dave Yost is in. How come Mike DeWine hasn't said, said we're going to sue? Well, Bob, again, it's another, it's another problem with this governor. He doesn't stand up for the people. You know, we need a Governor DeSantis-type person, and that's what I would be. You make those decisions. You say, uh, President Biden, we are not going to do this. And then you support your attorney general's decision. Our governor continues to want to get as close to the right as he can, knowing that he's most comfortable on the left side of the road. And that's the problem here. Everything he does today going forward will always try and make him look like he's moving to the right. He can't fool people. He is supportive of the Biden's decisions. He's supportive of the vaccinations. He, if you listen to everything he says, he always goes back and says vaccinations are the cure. The problem is the guy will continue to move to the right to fool people. And you're right. He doesn't step up. He doesn't defend the people that have elected him. And he knows it. And he knows it. So, again, we do need a governor who can stand up and say, this is what I believe in. And for the listeners, uh, please remember what he did. This is the way he operates. Remember what he did in the Senate. Again, don't let the guy who is only 10% or 20% representing you, uh, fool you. Uh, In the end, it's better to have somebody who's going to step up and defend our rights, our Constitution. And that's, again, that's one of the reasons I'm running. It sickens me every time I see these statements, because I know the way Governor DeWine operates. He is a career politician who is going to move back to the right. Congressman Jim Renacci is our guest, former Congressman Renacci, now candidate Renacci for the Ohio governor in the uh, primary against Mike DeWine. Um, I asked you about a month or two ago about the prospect of another face getting into this thing, and it was Warren Davidson, and I think you correctly said, well, we'll see what happens when that happens. Uh, you know, you certainly don't want to have to divide votes among true conservatives uh, to try to get Mike DeWine out of there. Uh, but I have to ask you again now, because it was on September 8th, so nine days ago, uh, Jack Windsor, who I talked about a moment ago, uh, reported that a source he spoke with uh, said Davidson was on his way down to meet with President Trump down in Florida to discuss the 2022 gubernatorial race and that he was just a whisper away from declaring his candidacy. Do you know if that meeting happened and how do you feel about again, now that it looks like it's perhaps a lot closer to happening, how do you feel about another face in this race? Well, look, if Warren gets in, DeWine wins. I mean, it's that simple. It has to be a one-on-one race. It has to be because when you split the vote, you're splitting the vote that's anti-DeWine. And look, Warren's a friend of mine. We've talked. He knows it. I've told him, if you're going to get in, get in. Uh, But let's get past this, thinking about it, talking about it. And look, at some point in time, Warren will make his decision. Um, If he makes his decision to come in, uh, DeWine wins. Because in the end, we can't split the vote. I like Warren. But again, um, we're, we're way past time. He, Warren has very little name ID in Northeast Ohio. I've told him that. I travel the state. I ask people, do you know who Warren Davidson is? I go, who is that? And I told Warren, one of the problems in our state, it's a big state. 
Mm-hmm. One of the problems I had against Jared Brown was I didn't have enough name ID. And it, t- it takes a lot of money and time to get name ID. You can't win an election without three things, money, name ID, and a plan. Jim Renacy has money, name ID, and a plan. Warren Davidson, if he steps in today, has no name ID, no plan, and no money. So he's starting way behind. Uh, but, again, it's the right for anyone to get in. And I've told him, of get course. in if you're going to get in. What, what, about, what about the Trump question here? Um, I don't know. I don't know if it matters or not. Uh, you know, a, a potential Trump endorsement. I don't know what it would do for your campaign if you got it. I don't know what it would do for Warren Davidson if he came in and made his announcement that he's running with the uh, endorsement in tow. I don't even know if Trump would endorse DeWine at this point because President Trump has said some very positive things about Mike DeWine, inexplicably in my opinion. But does that change the race in any direction uh, depending on where it goes? Well, here's what I would say. Look, as you know, Brad Parscale is uh, overseeing my campaign now and assisting with my campaign. Good man. Brad Parscale speaks. Brad Parscale speaks with the president two or three times a week. I don't believe the president is going to endorse in this race until he sees a clear-cut winner. But I also don't believe the president's going to endorse over Jim Renacci, the, the guy who stepped up in 2016 when nobody else was. I mean, look, you can name all the names in the state, Warren Davis and Jim Jordan, all of them. None of them were endorsing Donald Trump. All good people. This isn't a negative about them. But Jim Renacci stood up and said, we need change. We need somebody different. And I endorsed Donald Trump in March of 2016. I stepped out in front of everybody. And nobody else came on board until after Donald Trump was uh, confirmed in, the, in, in Cleveland. So I don't believe President Trump will endorse over top of me because of that i don't but that doesn't mean he's going to endorse me either i'm not going to say that he will i think no, in no, the end president president trump is a smart enough person that he's going to endorse whoever he believes can win and i know what he's looking for money uh he's looking for somebody who can has the money who has a plan and has the machinery behind him to win i mean i've been told that i have the money i have the machinery I have the plan to win. So I just need to continue to do what I'm doing and continue to worry about the people of Ohio and how we're being treated by this governor. And I can't worry about Warren Davidson or anybody else getting in. Well, I know you are a, a simply tireless campaigner. You are at every event you can possibly be at. You are indeed traversing the state, making sure you're as well known in southern Ohio and southeastern Ohio as you are northeastern Ohio and so forth. So, uh, obviously you do have that, uh, you do have that plan and you do that, have that vision and hopefully it will serve you well. Congressman Renacy, thank you for coming on to talk about all of these issues, including the 16th. Uh, we appreciate it and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Bobby. Have a great day and a great weekend. You do the same, sir. Thank you. All right, that's Jim Renacci uh, on AM 1420, The Answer. He said he's not worried about Warren Davidson, and I guess I understand that. He's not in the race yet, and if he is, uh, if he gets in the race, uh, he's going to have to have those three things that uh, Jim Renacci just talked about. Uh, you know, he, he's going to have to have money, and he's going to have to plan uh, have a plan. He's going to have to have name recognition and probably going to have to have a Trump endorsement, too, I would think. But we'll follow that wherever it leads. We'll be right back. Okay, 9.54, I want to stay with this. I'm going to give you a little bit more of the beginning of the end. January 14th, 
one day after Anthony Gonzalez joined just nine other Republicans in voting to impeach Donald Trump. Uh, along with every Democrat member of the House of Representatives. He came on this program to explain himself. Here's more of how it went. What evidence? All right, hold on a second. Sorry about that. Let's uh, get everything connected properly. My bad. One more time. What evidence was presented to you before that vote that made you gave you the ability to make such a judgment without evidence being presented and without evidence being counter evidence being presented by the president's defense team which is the way again it happened you went through this process with the ukraine impeachment you know that is a standard it's not a well in the best of worlds we would have had this it is a requirement a constitutional requirement to take that evidence into consideration including witness evidence and 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 anything else that you may have forensically video tactically whatever that is a requirement. It's not a, well, we would like right. to have had an opportunity to hear evidence before we voted. Again, you gave them the green light by voting for this to waive constitutional due process for the president and waive the requirement that the president be able to defend himself before something is sent to the Senate for a trial vote. So again, I, if you want to know what evidence was I looking at, what was I looking at? And no, what was presented, sir? What was presented is what I'm asking. Because it wasn't presented. They, what you are about to say, and I'll let you say it, you're about to say, well, this is what I saw on TV, and this is what I read in the newspapers, this is what I saw as conduct over the last two months. And that's fine if you want to take that as evidence, but that's not evidence that could be considered at a trial, in a, in, a, in a hearing to vote for impeachment for removal of the President of the United States. That evidence needed to be presented to you from a witness stand, from sworn uh, 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 parties in this, in this case. And that never happened. So you can tell me what you thought about the last two months, but at the end of the day, none of that matters in an impeachment. Vote. It had to have been brought forth in a hearing. That's due process, I'm sure you would agree, and I'm sure all of your constituents in the 16th would agree, is the most fundamental right that we have as citizens in this country. The due process to defend ourselves against accusations made. When was the president allowed to defend himself before you said yay on that vote yesterday? Right. So, again, the House report did come out earlier this week that outlines the case for impeachment. So there was a presentation. Was there... Were there hearings? No, there were not. And again, the exact point you're making is why this was such a difficult decision and why I, I was literally in my office two minutes before the vote was called, making sure I was comfortable with, with my vote. And I understand that, that, you know, again, we're on different sides of this. I, I, I get that, and that's clear. Um, now, in terms of what was presented, uh, so it was presented, again, in, in the House report, uh, and then the things that I saw, it's not what I read in the newspaper. It's not you know, what I heard on TV or anything like that. Uh, it is. It was a series of events that transpired that you can just read the Twitter. You can listen to the speeches. You can think back, okay, what, what was the purpose of the Stop the Steal rally? What was it, okay? And we may disagree on this, but in my opinion, what this was was an attempt by the President of the United States to circumvent the Constitution, to overturn an election. And I can't think of it. And on what do you base that allegation? That is, a, I am sitting here with my jaw on my chest right now. You believe that the president's intent in having that Stop the Steal rally was to circumvent the election and the will of the people and not just to do exactly what he told the people there he wanted them to do? You know, sir, 
that hundreds of thousands of pro-life marchers caravan to the nation's capital every February or so to hear fiery speeches, chant their opinions, say their prayers, and try to encourage Congress to defend innocent babies. The next day, hundreds of thousands of pro-choice marchers, the Women's March, they caravan to, the, to, to hear fiery speeches and to try to encourage Congress to continue to allowing Roe versus Wade. Hundreds of thousands of minorities, men and women, caravan to D.C. to hear fiery speeches and chant and demand that Congress support equal rights and civil rights. And all of those are fine. Hundreds of thousands of people march to D.C. to protest the confirmation of Justice Brett Kavanaugh, listening to fiery speeches, chanting slogans, and then pounding on the doors of the Supreme Court, screaming, shut it down, shut it down. And that's okay. So how is asking hundreds of thousands of people to come to D.C. to hear fiery speeches, to chant their chants, and demand that Congress, with their voices, which is specifically and precisely what he said, demand that Congress delay the certification so that a 10-day investigative audit, bipartisan, can be formed, which is what was being argued on the Senate floor, which is constitutional and legal at the time. You tell me how this is any different. Bob, so I'm going to, again, I, I appreciate that. I'm going to ask you to let me explain the full vote just for a second. Okay. Go ahead. So, first off, everything you just said about free speech marches and fiery speeches and all that, I, I 100% agree with. Okay. That is a constitutionally protected right. Everybody has it. We should celebrate that. That's how we've gotten to where we are as a country. Uh, and it's an it's example for the country, frankly. Uh, and, and so the fiery speech alone uh, is not an impeachable offense, not by a mile, in, in my opinion. I, I, I would agree with you on that. Okay. So that's, that's that piece. Now, you asked me how could I conclude that that's what I, that I thought that the goal of the president was to get the Congress or the vice president to overturn the election. It's because that's what he said he wanted us to do. And that's not constitutional. When you get down to it, and this is why I voted to certify, when you get down to it, the states and the people send electors. We got one slate of electors from every single state. We didn't get multiple slates. We got one slate of certified electors. The Constitution is crystal clear. When you get one slate of electors and only one slate, there's no choice. You just read the votes. You count the votes. I wish I had more time here to play the next question I asked him in response to this because it completely blew him out of the water. And I think, again, it's why 10 months later he is now out of politics. He is not running for re-election. But I don't have time for that now. Stay with me. We're going to come up uh, after the news with uh, with um, Ohio Senate candidate Josh Mandel next on AM 1420 The Answer. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.